This week I'm speaking to Leanne Phelan and she's coming all the way from America. Now I met Leanne, must be like three years ago now, on a, a course with Kathy Heller. So it was an online course, so we've never met in person, but we've, we've stayed in touch and it's just really nice to catch up now. So we're going to start with just hearing a little bit from you about what you do in life um, and, and what your business looks like and what your life looks like. Oh, that's so nice. I, I have to say... Before I do that, I am such a big fan of your work. We were in this huge class together. I think there were maybe 300 people. And we we were never in a in a pod, but I was friends with a musician that was in the class, Will, and he started doing some recordings for you. So that's how I started seeing your photography. And people tell me a lot that, my voice is calming. And so I really was drawn into your work. And I was like, wow, there's another person with a really calming voice. And she's so powerful. And it was, I don't know, I've just, I've been following you since then. I actually started out as a singer. And I, that's all that I thought I would do. And I ended up being a background singer at the pinnacle of my career for an artist named Steve Winwood, who's kind of a legendary UK artist that's amazing. So I got to tour the world with Steve. And then I've felt the uncertainty of how to get another great background singing job. And so I didn't mean to do this, but I I live in Nashville and I kind of followed what I now know was my intuition. And I stumbled into a publishing company where there were songwriters writing songs and I was, you know, answering the phone, making the coffee, taking the trash out, but I could hear these amazing songwriters come in every day. And then I just started understanding that part of the business. And that was such a great home for me. I've worked with songwriters for the last 25 years in various ways, whether it was at a record label, publishing company, or at one point I had a job as kind of like a preliminary judge on American Idol. And I was also managing songwriters and producers. So that was pretty interesting. And then I co-headed a company called ASCAP in Nashville, the creative team. That's just where you're around all the songwriters. And if they're not with ASCAP, you want them to be. So you're, you know, whether they're with your company or not, you're around them, helping develop them, seeing them in the very early stages and kind of figuring out who you think will work and get to those next levels and figuring out what they need and and how to help them. And, and that piece led into what happened during COVID when I met you in 2020, I, I had started managing artists. There weren't shows to commission. And I thought about that work that I did at ASCAP and I had a lot of groups and mentor groups for female artists or, I put together something called the GPS project, which was a development program for songwriters. And they ended up getting signed out of that program. So they still do that today at ASCAP. So it's, it has been very successful. And 
just thinking about, you know, what do I love to do? And, and it was basically putting like-minded people together and helping develop them. And so that's what I started during COVID in workshops, private sessions and courses. And, you know, I don't know about you, Margaret. I feel like you do a lot of this kind of work, but I just had all this time to think when I really got down to the bottom line of why did I end up doing all this and working with these writers and how, how is it that I help them develop? And it goes all the way back to the person that helped me when I was nine years old with encouragement. And I, I never put those things together. I was actually in another class with a woman named Patrice Washington, just trying to learn how to be a better speaker and intro myself. And we had to think of this transformational moment. And that was it. Like really quickly, I was on stage at this little vocal studio. My teacher pointed me out in front of the other kids. And it was the first time I had been on the mic alone. And I, I wasn't even a singer until that moment when he said, I heard your part, you did a good job. And, and so I don't know, I think I, I look at songwriters and, and don't count anyone out because I could have easily been counted out. So this idea of encouraging people then, that's, that's where it is then. I think that's maybe where we're very, very similar is that we both encourage, uh, genuinely encourage people like it mm-hmm. comes from a genuine place of wanting other people to to do well it doesn't really matter you know the creativity encompasses all sorts of things doesn't it photography and art and, and music I th- I'm particularly interested in because I think it's it's so expressive and my two sons are, are musical so so they're into the <laughs> <laughs> music world so I always try to understand a little bit more but I think it's so powerful songwriting is so powerful isn't it mm-hmm. so coming coming to that I suppose the connection that we have is that idea of of encouraging other people and um, that's mm-hmm. what I'm seeing anyway I listen to your podcast a lot and follow you on Instagram. And I see that, you know, the other day you were talking about a young girl that just, you know, she had her own way of shooting. I love that you recognize that she had a different way of play. You talked about at one point she had her camera on the ground, like, you know, it it was just a whole different thing. And and you loved seeing that expression in her and really if, okay, I think in all creativity, and that includes entrepreneurship, you know, creating a product, creating a painting, a photograph, a song, a short story, a newsletter, which I, I love writing shorter things like that. But <clears throat> I think there's a through line in all of it. And I think when you're first learning or or may, maybe there's some people that don't do this, but a lot of people, when they're learning, they're copying, comparing, mm-hmm. oh, this is working and I like that yeah. and I'm going to try to sing like that. I had to sing an Aretha Franklin song 
five times a day one summer at a theme park. <laughs> I would listen to that recording. It was respect of all songs. I I don't think anyone can emulate Aretha Franklin. And I tried so hard and I just couldn't do it. And I think that's the journey. Like you try to shoot a photograph like Margaret or you try to write a song like, I'm going to say, Alan Shamblin. People might not know who he is, but he co-wrote I Can't Make You Love Me with the great Mike Reed. But you, you want to write a timeless song like that. And finally... After all these guests coming on, I, I see the pattern. You get frustrated and you just say, oh, I'm not, I'm going to write what I wanted to in the first place. I'm going to write what I liked in the first place. But what happens is by emulating all these people, you kind of learn the craft. You know, you, you learn the craft and then you bring your voice to it. You finally get the courage to bring your voice. And I think that's where most people find their version of success creatively. Yeah. I'm running like a three-month thing, monthly, we have a monthly thing, a three-month course, Finding Your Voice in my membership program. So, yeah, so we're, we're sort of halfway through it just now. And it's something that I've taught before, actually. But I think I'm always, I always wanted to explore more with other people. But what you're saying absolutely concurs with my thoughts about, and it's such a big topic, isn't it? Because doesn't mm-hmm. everybody want to do that? Your own, you want to be your own, uh, an expression of your own self, don't you? You can't, as you say, you can't mm-hmm. be. So in, in photographer speak, I suppose we we can't be Charlie Waite or <laughs> whoever you, whosoever images you love. You can't be that person because you aren't that person. But in order to get to that place of finding your own thing you have this learning process don't you so therefore looking and observing and watching other um, artists is a way is a way through but it's not the end goal is it but I love the way that you said it it lets you learn your craft yeah I mean you know one thing that's really helpful for songwriters is to like take the songs you like and physically just write down the lyric like it you know you get inside of it a little bit more definitely not saying copy that but like just figuring out as you're writing oh they you know did this inner rhyme scheme or it's just a cadence to to the song that you might not otherwise know and it's all like pouring into you and you know that's another Thing that I talk about a lot. Um, and I'm interested if you see this for yourself as well. But I know for me, like I've done all these different things, you know, singing, touring, AR to label, publishing, writer management, artist management, now these workshops, and and even with with other little things, you know taking a painting class, a photography, writing class. And so now with what I'm doing currently, if I take that aerial view of all of these things, I see how all these things before affect what I do in the workshops or being able to talk to you and just really talk about creativity from all these different angles. I think my point with that is, it, 
if you're a creative person or you want to try to be more creative and maybe you're not being creative because you're scared because you're not at the caliber of somebody you respect, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not what's important to you. I, I have a photograph right here that I took on my iPhone that I framed because it means something very dear to me. It's actually a, a photograph I took in, in West Tennessee. My mother passed away a year ago and it was at 2.50 a.m. in the morning. And as the sun was coming up, I just drove in my hometown and there was this field and this little bit of mist coming through and I pulled over and took pictures. And so to me, that is success for me as a photographer. And I don't shoot every day. You know what I mean? I just saw an article about Taylor Swift. She's going to do a billion dollars on her tour. This one thinks that it could probably be more, you know, and then it talked about the money that she's made for other people just by showing up. Like if that's your goal, you might end up frustrated. You know, that is the top of the peak. But if you're creating because it makes you happy, you know, that's a great reason to create. That's why I would come to your workshop. You know, it's not for me to have a gallery show. It's for me to be outside and be around amazing people and see the landscape in a different way and hopefully go swimming, you know, it's just, it's to make me happy. Yeah. That idea, I suppose that idea of success is different, isn't it, to to everybody. I think I feel at the moment, currently where I am, I feel extremely successful because I'm very, I'm living this life that's really in tune with who I am and, Mm -hmm. and it's very authentic and it's very, it's just me. And it goes against a lot of the traditional ways that we see success. So, you know, going on to, not that I would be singing on tour, but maybe going on. Yeah, something like that that's very high profile. That, you know, it's so far removed from that. But for me, success, success is um, living like this and create, being creative. Create, being Living a creative life is, is mm. probably at the top of my of my list of what success means, but also live it, being outdoors all the mm-hmm. time and being in nature and finding that that real happiness so maybe that's what you're, you're saying there I think that's what I'm, what I'm getting from that is that you know we need to reframe that but why we're doing things why are we creating is it because we want to have these in huge enormous shows that tour around the world or is it because we simply want to find that contentment and that space of you know what, what you were saying about the, the, the photograph that you took that's hugely important mm-hmm. to release those emotions or to put those emotions mm-hmm. somewhere in creative in creativity it's it's an outlet mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm. so i totally with you on that i think that's a it's a really really valuable point for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it runs through into this idea of when people come to do photography i'm a great believer that you don't need a, a camera even and your phone if you know if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. the phone is is a great tool it's a fantastic tool for taking photographs and we don't need to be seen to have this amazing kit to be 
great photographers because the iPhone is just as good. <laughs> so I'm sure some people would disagree with that, but <laughs> it's it's you know I've had my camera out and I only have two lenses and you know I'll see something and then I don't know the equipment well so I'm like oh maybe I should change to this you know all the settings so it's just easier and quicker with iPhone but I I so appreciate a, a beautiful photograph and you know I think I emailed you about this you took some photographs with you in the photograph and you were in this really beautiful dress and you're kind of in the water and for some reason well I know what the reason is but I've gravitated towards pictures of just really independent free women like I I had this Uh. old photograph of this woman I don't even know where I got it but it's black and white it's got to be from like 19... 20 or something. And it just looks like she's traveling alone. And that's something that I do frequently and love it. And I I have so many people say, Oh, you went there by yourself. Weren't you scared or weren't you? And and when I um, visited the Caleb place, um, I was traveling alone. I met so many incredible people and I'm always kind of shocked that people, some people don't even like to have a meal by themselves. You know, yeah. I just think, you know, anytime you add another person, it, it's just like with you and I talking, if we had another person here, we yeah. would have a great conversation, but it would be different. And so traveling alone, I think it really forces me to be extremely present because you're, you know, you are having to figure out everything. And it just seems like when I'm doing that, if I do need something, whoever I ask is the right person. Like the first time, like, Oh, excuse me. Do you know where it's, it's, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it, I love that, that flow of like really being in the moment and there's no better time to do that than when you're traveling alone and exploring like that it's wonderful I think it's it's a really really good point that because it would be nice to encourage other women to travel alone because I think it's something that maybe not everybody does I think more and more people will be doing it now but it it allows this sort of openness doesn't it that you're open to um, meeting new people but also I think to do it you have to sort of sit very comfortably with yourself so you have mm-hmm. this sort of self-awareness and, and this knowledge that you can face yourself almost it's like that that thing of that one of the most uncomfortable things that we can do these days is to sit in silence for 30 minutes <laughs> and and amazingly enough so many people can't do that now I love doing that I think mm-hmm. and I need quite a lot of time I need a lot of downtime. I need a lot of time alone. And traveling alone is one of those things. That, I don't know. It just makes you feel, I suppose, powerful is what you it, what I was going to say that. Yeah. There, there's a power yeah. in it. That is exactly the word, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think maybe a lot of people, and, and you can speak to this, I I don't have children. I have a, a lot of nieces and a nephew, but 
I'm used to kind of doing what I want. You know, I think a lot of people aren't used to that, but that's one of the most fun things about just going like whatever you want to do, you know, you can sit and watch the sunset or whatever story you want to see, whatever rock you want to climb, you know, it's just, it, it does feel free and powerful. And maybe that is why I like those pictures that represent, you know, women traveling independently, doing things independently. I, I think it, it could be. And I think you right now that I think back to them, I did it as like a little series. For, there, was a, there was a little project I did. But then I carried on doing it when I was when I was in Harris because I sort of felt like that felt more like uh, home. I'm glad you brought that up because I think I might carry that on because it did feel very strong. And I felt I really, really enjoyed enjoyed doing them there was something about the connection with the landscape and also something a lot of people shy away from photographing themselves because well Mm -hmm. they don't like they don't like the look of themselves or whatever Mm -hmm. it is you know not many people I photograph a lot of portraits and whatnot um not many people come to me and say I love getting photographed (laughs) you know most people have things about themselves that like oh please you know I'm a bit worried about this so to put yourself in front of the camera uh it's quite it's quite a good thing to do and I think what's running through my head here is that all the things you're talking about you're doing are all the things that, that, that allow growth and they allow creativity to come through definitely because mm-hmm. I can see you when you're saying oh, I'm going to go and travel um, alone and I'm going to go to this place and when you were you were wanting to come to one of the retreats mm-hmm. but to do that to do that and to come on a retreat by yourself it opens up this world of possibilities because the other people there usually other women that are traveling alone are so full of these beautiful usually creative and and powerful and then you you bring them together in this space and then Mm -hmm. these friendships are made and that is just a great thing and and so much so that I do that you know I tend to do one once a year I'll take something where I'm alone but I'll meet other people because Mm -hmm. as much as I like being alone I think that the power of connection Mm -hmm. with the right type of people Mm -hmm. and the right type of people go on retreats Mm -hmm. for me it's just incredible and it opens up a whole new world. It it really does. May 2022. And I'm laughing because this was such a fluke that I, I was even there because I, I was on this email list for um, Sherry Salata and this, this email, came, you know, mass email came out go to Tuscany with Sherry. And I was just like scrolling through my email and I was like, I'm in. I wrote back to the email, I'm in. So I ended up going on that trip, traveled alone there. And then I met 18 or 20 women. Again, like you say, like the same, like uh, like mind, different, not from, from all different parts of the world, but just with that, same energy of seeking and, you know, wanting to go deeper. And, and this retreat was part workshop, part experiencing beautiful things in Tuscany. And it was amazing. And I did make some lifelong friends there and actually different parts of that group. We've already done two other trips together. We went to New York during Thanksgiving last year and we went to Punta Cana in, in May. 
And it's just been, you know, beautiful friendships, beautiful things to get together and talk about. And everybody, you know, is so supportive and not, not holding yourself back to try something creative early on when I was doing private sessions on zoom, I think it actually was a woman from our, from our class in 2020. And she very Mm -hmm. hesitantly booked a session with me and she wrote poems and she, you know, we just talked about her process and everything. And so she read me one of the poems that she wrote And this particular one was for her daughter who had been through a divorce. And as this woman was reading the poem, she actually choked up in, in the middle of it, you know, and, and got emotional. And so it's the same, the same thing happens in songs. Like if there's something real in there, I think that is the reason that they connect. And you may not know exactly what it is or what happened, but there's a, an emotion there that can be universal. So when she did that and, and she doesn't see herself, you know, that's part of what you and I do. Like we're showing people what we see. And so I wanted her to see how powerful her poem was. So I asked her to wait and I went and in another room. I have a poem framed that this guy on the street in Asheville, North Carolina, just had a little sign up like, you know, you could pay him whatever and he would write a poem for you. So I gave him the topic of Redbirds. He wrote this gorgeous poem. I framed it. It's right outside of my bedroom. So I got the the poem and held it up in this beautiful frame. And I said, this is what your work means to somebody. You could just write poems to particular people and that could be such a success. Like that's so meaningful. I have, I've spent a hundred dollars putting this up where I could see it every day, you know, This happened three years ago, but I just posted about it saying, you know, those poems you write, keep writing them because sometimes we frame them and want to look at them every day, you know, important to me. (laughs) And I think some people don't always see how the the amazing work that they are doing or they don't give themselves credit for it or they go, oh, I've just done this. And it's like incredible. (laughs) So it's nice to have somebody to point out how good they are to them. And that, mm-hmm. if that's us, then so be it, you know. But that that comes back to that power of encouragement, doesn't it? Because otherwise, they mm-hmm. might have just put it away and got and not done anything with it. Whereas, it's nice for people to understand when they're doing some some great work creatively. Mm-hmm. Well, even David Lynch said, if you're just doing a sketch after after your work day and you work on it and you sit back and you like it. And that makes you a happier person and you can go into your job the next day, just having done something fun the night before that you enjoyed. I mean, I think almost get, you know, gets over into the mental wellness space. Like what, what helps you feel better, you know, and definitely for you being outside, being creative outside, you know, wow. You know, soaking in the vitamins from, the sun and just feeling the water and um, yeah. it, it's just, it's so nourishing in so many ways. 
it, it leads you there, doesn't it? A lot of a lot of people have been coming to to visit lately, and they've said, "Oh, wow, you've got such a suntan. Where have you been?" And actually, I did go to Italy in June, but it wasn't it wasn't sunny. And the suntans come from from being out every single day that's been sunny. So I made a a little vow to myself: we don't get as much sun as maybe you do. If it's sunny, I'm going to be outside, and I'm not going to be at the computer this summer. And I've done it. So I've literally been outside every time it's sunny. And it's been amazing because it's just good for me, you know, and, and knowing what's good for you is it's really important. And that, that sort of wellness overlaps the creativity because I've also known that being creative, whatever form, is good for me. So I wanted to actually just bring up something that you said earlier because you might have a little insight into this because it's something I'm exploring at the moment. And it's that idea of being creative in different forms. So I think you said it, you, you turn around and you realise that it's been the structure, it's built up the, the past to where we are now. I understand what you're saying there. And I, I sort of feel that about my photography. My photography has been such a big part of my life for 20, 25 years, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now exploring I'm not going to stop photography I'm always going to be a photographer but I'm exploring painting and I'm exploring writing writing's a different mm-hmm. thing altogether that's proving difficult but the painting the painting is like it's almost like all those years of the photography has gifted me the ability to just sort of go in and know what I'm doing not mm-hmm. the craft I've still got to learn the craft but the everything behind it and all the the stories and the reasons and everything. I'm now going into painting and it's wonderful to expand that. Whereas maybe sometimes people feel that they're just moving from thing to thing, but I don't. I think it's great to do everything. I 1000% think it's great. And and just hearing you talk, I mean, think about one of the best books that I I actually listen to it on Audible and I recommend yeah. listening to it because Bono is the narrator of his own book and it is so beautiful. His writing is so beautiful. And some people may think writing songs and writing a book like, oh, everybody could do it. No, I don't think that you could, but I think his book is amazing. So that's a different form of art, you yeah. know, for him. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people that like to just express their creativity in a lot of different ways. I too, I love to write and that's the most challenging thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I will write, you know, my newsletters or blogs and try to like form a complete idea. I overwrite and I, I think it's hard to edit yourself in those situations. Yeah. I think painting is a little more freeing because um, yeah. you know, now that you're saying that, I, I did see a painting that you posted on your Instagram that was kind of more of an abstract, and and that yeah. feels very free to me. You know, I've gotten yeah. into oil painting as well. When I paint. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Even when, you know, if there's like a still thing, if I'm in a class and you're supposed to do this exact thing, I've done an okay job of it. And then I'm like, I don't know how I even did that. You know, it's still this elusive thing, but it just, 
any form of being creative is interesting to me. You know, I would try just about anything. I would try to sew if I had an opportunity, you know, I think it could just enhance you. There was an, an artist that had kind of, you know, burnt out. It was just taking a break, stepping back from it. And what I remember of the story is his kid had a bike and, and she wanted a different color bike or something. So he painted it and kind of decorated it or whatever. So she had this really cool, unique bike. And then so a couple other kids came up and they were like, Hey, can you paint my bike? And so he ended up like just painting all these bikes for these kids that I'm so sorry. I don't remember where I heard that or whatever, but I thought that was so cool. And there's another lesson in that. You never know what's going to open up for you in your creativity. Yeah. And so I think, I think, you know, for me, that's what I'm following right now. I'm just kind of going down this workshop path and little speaking and a little, this little, that, like, I know deep down that these are the things I'm supposed to be doing. And part of, part of life is uncertainty. Definitely part of being a creative is uncertainty. Um, this this is a conversation that nobody talks about, and I wonder what you think about this. Inevitably, we can be creative and do all of these fun things, but we do have to, you know, maybe buy a new computer and we have to keep the lights on. You know, there is a commerce aspect to this, and I think that trips a lot of people up. You know, Elizabeth Gilbert said in her books and seminars, she she's not saying go quit your job and do this. She's she's kind of more of like integrate this into your life and, and make it work for you. How do you reconcile the commerce of your creative essence? It's something that not many people talk about. I, I spoke to Eric Hemion, and he is a musician. It was a conversation around a little bit of touching on this. How do you balance that, the need to earn and the art? So it's something that's probably the first time I've spoken to anybody about that. But I, I'm all, I'm all for like reality. You know, life is real, isn't it? And sometimes when we hear a lot of these creating conversations, it's, it's very much avoiding that that side of things but there's a massive gap in that isn't there about people don't want to speak about that do they but I'm quite happy to so my photography was born the business was born out the need to earn so and it it sustained us whilst the kids were growing up so I I had two boys and I was supporting them myself so I was supporting these these children who ate a lot <laughs> over the years and wore lots of shoes. I've supported them for, you know, well, they've gone now. So I've supported them through the photography for so many years that it is, it's always a balance. I've got a deep love of photography and creativity and it started to become a bit more, I needed to have more of that creative side. The weddings were the supporting part, so they were the day job almost. 
Mm-hmm. And that sort of wore me down after, you know, after sort of 15 years of that, it started to wear down and I needed more outlet. So I went into landscape photography and this is where my landscape business grew from actually, from a, from a deep love of wanting to photograph the landscape and all the while I was doing it just for myself. And then I thought, well, okay, I'll create a business from it. And people would say, actually, if you create a business from it, you're not going to love it so much. And that's nonsense because people say a lot of things, don't they? And a lot of things you just got to, you just got to go with your intuition. You've got to go with your gut. And it's like, well, actually, I'm going to do this. I do think that now um, I'm needing more. And I wonder, I wonder whether it's my nature because I'm noticing this about myself. I kind of master something. And then I need to learn something else. And I'll carry on doing the thing that I've mastered because I love it. But I, I have this need, this sort of urge to, yeah, to learn a, a new craft, mm-hmm. to keep fresh and to keep creative. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking through this idea of this, the balance at the moment now is that I've continuing obviously my business is a massive part that's really important and I've got all these things going on the the workshops and the retreats are are, are forming and evolving now and then I created the festival which was a new thing because that was a challenge I was like "That's that's a challenge I can do that and then I go on to the next thing and I'll keep those things going and I'll just build and build so it's interesting I don't know whether that answered a question it it did I think You know, I have friends that are really talented at things and it's not for everybody to try to make a living from their creativity. And some people do think, oh, this is my hobby. I don't want to turn it into something I have to do. I don't know where that came from either, because (laughs) I think that sounds like a beautiful life to me, you know, turn your hobby into your main thing and make a living from it. You made a business out of something that you love to do. And then that need to maybe express yourself a little bit different way without the confines of that, you know, you're just a truly creative person. And that's, that's kind of what you did. But it is interesting to me that when you did it for yourself, it opened up in a new way. And I'm kind of seeing that too. Like I would say, I've created a business for myself with something that I really enjoyed, which is, you know, I, I I looked at my career and thought, Oh, all these groups that I worked with at ASCAP, you know, and helping people in this way, something that I really loved. And, and I had a desire to do a creative retreat. My mother actually reminded me of that. Like, what about that idea? But I thought I had to buy land and build these little cabins and have a thing. So it was just a far off dream because that would take a lot of money. But during COVID, I could just do that on Zoom and meet people from around the world. I'm still loving that. I'm a, but that is, is, changing and morphing and growing into more. So I think, you know, I think when you do start, you know, planting the flag, like, okay, I'm doing this thing and this is what it's worth. And that's, that's the hard part. I think for a lot of people charging for, for something that you've always loved to do or that you, you know, when it's one-on-one, yeah. like, okay, you pay me for, yeah. you know, an hour session, but then you forget like, oh, I've 
had my entire life in the field of music. And I've had, you know, I have all these different perspectives that can help you. I think if you can get past that and start in, in a way that makes sense and then be open to the pivot of that. My friend Patrice Washington that I took that class from, this she says purpose evolves. And I love that so much. And then when I apply that to my world, my passion has evolved. You know, my passion was for singing. Then it was for being a publisher and helping songwriters. And now it's like being this workshop leader and speaking and doing like doing a podcast with you. So it's almost like a full circle thing because I was in front of the camera that I was way behind the camera. Like when you're a manager and you're all this, like you are, I basically felt like a ninja. Like I would dress in black and just kind of be, try to be out of sight on a red carpet with an artist or something while there, you know, focus is all on someone else's career And then now it's kind of coming full circle where you're kind of back with, you know, some of the talents and desires you might've had starting out. Oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, think about who were you in the beginning? What did you like when you were six years old? You know, who were you? (laughs) Who were you at six, Margaret? Who was I at six? Oh, I, yeah. Well, I know because I've 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 done a lot of exploration on this, and I think it's it's really really important for people to do this to to go back to that 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 child and to go. Well, what what did you love doing? And and the thing for me was the the beaches in Holland, where I was on weren't on holiday every year to these Dutch beaches where my grand lived. My grand lived on the coast, and that freedom, that freedom, that happiness, being by the waves and the sea, that just inf- it's informed my whole life. My whole life has come from from that. Oh, it's God, sort of like, that's amazing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it took me a while to. Re- I only realised that when I was forty five. <laughs> it's like, how did it take me so long to find that connection? But if you can find that connection, and then everything slots into place, and then coming back to live here now, where I am in Harris by the sea, that's that's the sort of whole circle for me. That's why I feel so content and successful, I suppose. Yeah, which is interesting. Oh my gosh. I love that. That sounds like a movie, you know, being six years old on the beaches of Holland. I I had this epiphany during COVID because I was one of the people that like, I loved being here in my house and I was not bored at all. Like we were doing that. I was doing all this creative stuff. And so I think back as a kid, I had brothers but I could play by myself. I journaled. I, you know, practiced singing with just a little tape recorder in the basement. I didn't realize what an introvert I was. Yeah, it's just this full yeah. circle. It's yeah. not as romantic circle, yeah. and dreamy as the beaches of Holland. I don't want to be oh, back in a, in, a, in a dark basement with a tape recorder. It's the feeling, the creative, like, you know, being inside my own head like trying to express myself yeah so so important to know yourself like that though as you've said I can just picture that what everything you said about yourself there you're doing it now aren't you you're, you're living that and actually you can almost go back to that time and go go a little bit deeper this is quite interesting I've just come up with this <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm thinking if you I went back wait. to that time that what else were you doing what were the other things that you were doing and then 
I because I was thinking that the beaches of Holland, yeah, but also when I, when I got back at night, I'd sit drawing and painting, and that's what I'd be doing all the time. So maybe mm-hmm. if you could, you know, the other things, it doesn't have to be one thing, does it? It can be all of those things when you set the, mm-hmm. those points for yourself. You could. I wonder if you could go back and then you go, well, that's it. That's what's going to fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and another thing that I did as a kid, it's like I would just see something that I wanted to do and I would just hit the mark. You know what I mean? I just, I just yeah. made it happen. So that's kind see, of inter- I see that in you now. I wonder, you know, I wonder if everybody who's listening can, can sort of do that, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think that most people can, you know, you can look back and you'll find something that informs the way that you're living to this day and hopefully because mm-hmm. I know it isn't always as easy or as happy as we've just outlined it but hopefully there'll be some joy that you had when you were you were small some interest that you had or something that you always did it doesn't have to be happiness but it could mm-hmm. be like I don't know maybe you had an interest in tractors <laughs> and now mm-hmm. you you want to become an engineer that's just just for example there's there's usually something that you you have an interest when you're a child and it, it it comes or it wants to come out when you're, you're a lot older. I mean, I'm not a, a psychologist or qualified in any way. This is just observation over the years of teaching people. Well, okay. Can I add one more thing? It, it might be something that you got dismissed. You know, maybe you attempted that and you, were made fun of or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so you just dropped it. That Mm -hmm. happened to me with painting. It was something I thought I could do. And my mom painted and I got, got into her paints and I, I thought I'm just going to drop, you know, paint a flower and the stem of the flower just started expanding and expanding and it looked more like a tree trunk and it was not good. And I had a friend come up and the the painting was still up there and the friend came over and I said, I painted that. And at the time I was like maybe 20 and, and he said, how old were you? And it was so embarrassing to me that I never painted again until a few years ago for, for my birthday, I thought, I do want to paint. I'm going to take a class. I want to paint another class. And I got in this class and I did get encouraged. And then now, you know, I have tons of paintings and I enjoy that. So, so if you are listening and you're thinking back, maybe there was a thing that you attempted that somebody said, that's terrible. But if that desire was, was there and it still intrigues you, I would encourage you to pick it up again because you could get a lot of joy out of it, you know. And for me, like painting's not something that I, you know, selling or I've sold one painting, and and it cost me more to ship it than it, you know, than I got paid for it. And so, you know, it's not for that reason. It's just I really enjoy it, and it may lead you to something else if you if you try that thing that you were interested in. Absolutely. I think that those two things, just to link those two things together, 
I think that you're absolutely right. There's often a time where we've got this intuitive, this instinct when we're children, that this is what we love. I'm just going to love, we're going to do this and I, I love doing it. And actually that's all I want to do. And this instinct in us is beaten out of us at some point, and that's usually by, I don't really like to, to say teachers, because teachers can be wonderful, can, can go either way, but peers or teachers or parents, it could be it could be just a slight comment that just really hurts us, but or it could be just like society's norms that kind of, you know, as we get older, it's not what you do and it doesn't fit in anymore. It gets beaten out of us. And then usually when we get to around about 35, we start to go, hang on a minute, no, actually, actually, <laughs> I didn't need to be listening to all of this and you manage to to override it somehow hopefully you do because because otherwise it's just it's just a shame it lives there you know kind of repressed but I think that I, I remember somebody saying that they've realized they'd spent their life unlearning their intuition so oh, <laughs> that's wow. quite interesting isn't it so those two things go hand in hand and same for me, same thing happened for me with painting, same thing happened with me for photography. So I had a good 10 gap in photography and then I've had quite a lot more years, I'm not going to count them, gap in art, in painting. So I'm only just coming back to it now and I'm nearly 50 now. So I think it's really good to consider those things, for people to think about those things, think about those things that they feel like intuitively want to do think about things why they're not and yeah work through it and then realize actually just just do it if you want to do it and it feels right just do it people now can can find role models so easily online yeah and and we didn't have that as much you know growing up pre-internet and then thank goodness we came into our lives you know relatively early but not 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 as a kid you know and I I think that's why there are more kids and that you know want to be musicians and songwriters and you know because because they can see all that on YouTube but you know it's funny while we were talking I have all these journals and stuff around me and I always have a security blanket of a journal like in case I need to write something down but this kind of works for a conversation. This this just says, quit waiting for permission. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, put a little yeah. bookend on that topic. Quit, quit waiting for permission. Just go do it. I love it. That's brilliant. Oh, we'll, we'll end the conversation there. It's just been lovely to catch up with you. And I'm sure we'll catch up again at some point. But thank you. Thank you for joining me. I would love that so much. And this has been just incredible. Thank you.